friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is Sunny Side of Sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is Jackson Fungani. I'm in this week for Sonny Young, who is on a well-deserved leave. Here is a Sunnyside Sports salute to the man himself, Sonny Young, for always delivering one of the most outstanding sports shows each day right here on The Voice of America. I'll be filling in for Sonny this week. And as we start the show, let's look back at a busy sports weekend on this third day of October. And we start with some tragic news, what is being called one of the world's worst stadium disasters took place in Indonesia where a stampede at a soccer stadium in the region of Malang in East Java killed 174 people and trampled to death. Almost 400 people were injured after police used tear gas to quell a pitch invasion. The region's police chief, Nico Afinta, told reporters that police fired tear gas in an attempt to disperse agitated supporters of the losing home side who had invaded the pitch after the final whistle. AP's Charles de la Desma has more on this story. Families and friends of some of the 125 people who died in a crush set off by police tear gas after an Indonesia soccer match have wailed in grief as the bodies of the victims are returned home. Distraught family members are struggling to comprehend the sudden loss of loved ones at a soccer match in East Java's Malang City that was watched only by hometown Arema FC fans because the organiser had banned visiting Persebaya Surabaya's supporters due to Indonesia's history of violent soccer rivalries. Police say 18 officers responsible for the firing of tear gas as well as security managers are being investigated. The crush was among the world's deadliest disasters ever at a sporting event. I'm Charles Diladesma. And in some more soccer news, let's go to England where Man- Man City, that is Manchester City, beat local rivals Manchester United in the Manchester Derby. The Manchester Derby refers to football matches between Manchester United and Manchester City, which were first contested in 1881. Erling Haaland and Phil Foden both scored hat-tricks, which helped lift Manchester City to an emphatic 6-3 win over Manchester United. So what happened to Manchester United? A team with undoubtedly the best player in the world. I'm talking about Ronaldo. For that, I reached Ugandan sports commentator and reporter Jonah Biakutaga in Kampala, Uganda. Jonah, let's start off by talking about the significance of this win. What does it mean for Manchester City to have beaten their rivals with such a margin? Well, I think for starters, uh, Manchester City have now cemented their their place as the best team um, uh, in England. Now, now just a few, a bit over slightly over a decade, maybe two decades back, Manchester City were just that mid-table team. They got relegated out of the Premier League, and then they got this what they what everybody likes to call oil money, so to say, uh, quote unquote. Um, they got this investment um, uh, for, uh, from from abroad, obviously, that changed their fortunes, gave them so much money to buy all these superstar players. Now, initially, Man United were the big boys in England. Man United, Liverpool, and then later on, Arsenal and Chelsea joined the the, the crew. Um, so Manchester City. 
bought, so to say, bought their way into into being the best team um, in England right now. They're the reigning champions because they won the league last season, and uh, they've been such a dominant force. Manchester United, on the other hand, it's been a huge contrast. As Manchester City went up, Manchester United went down, and uh, the rivalry started. Sir Alex Ferguson, towards the end of his career, um, labelled them the noisy neighbours uh, because he was like, listen, these are just noisy neighbours, and they they just bought their way into this league. And then there was a transfer of a player from Man United called Carlos Tevez, um, an Argentine superstar player. He was one of those first big signings that Manchester City made. So all that built the intensity to make this rivalry real heated. Back then, it was a rivalry. But because Manchester United was so good in terms of the golfing class was so huge, mm. um, uh, you you could ignore it. And it wasn't a guarantee that you'd have this derby every season because Manchester City at times got relegated. Now Manchester City are a bigger team in terms of football than mm. Manchester United. They're even closing in financially. So now the derby has taken on such huge significance. Manchester United are trying to regain their place at the top of uh, not just Manchester as a, as a city, but England overall. So Jonah, going in into this match over the weekend who was the favorite to win without question everybody's money is on manchester city the way the season is shaping up right now arsenal and manchester city are the two outstanding teams um first and second in the league man united on the other hand had a horrible start to the season they've got a new coach in eric ten hag he's is straight out of the dutch league he was coaching ajax so it's his first season in england he's trying to learn the, the league trying to learn more about his players so it's still a learning curve for him and he's a young coach and at some point he was actually a, a, a reserve coach manager under pep Guardiola, who's now coaching Manchester City while they were at Bayern Munich. So, oh. um, Ten Hag is still, yeah, he's playing so against more former boss and student. Team. Yeah, exactly, teacher and student <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, so and guess what? The teacher handed him quite a teaching this uh, this weekend. So, but even as Manchester United clearly came into this as the underdog, was was it expected that they could lose by such a margin? Well, as recent as 2011, uh, Manchester United lost this derby 6-1. Um, they were beaten 6-1. That was the biggest margin in the history of this derby. That was the biggest um, uh, defeat um, uh, for either side. Now, to, uh, this weekend's game ending 6-3 became the highest scoring derby fixture ever in terms of the Manchester derbies because the 6-1 was the biggest defeat because of the difference of five goals, but it had seven goals in total, six, uh, seven goals in total. Now, this one had nine goals in total, so it was the highest scoring derby. And I tell you what, Jackson, if you look at that scoreline, you'll actually think Manchester City were, were dominant. But I tell you what, they were dominant, but that scoreline did not do justice. It could have been eight. It could have been nine. They were that good. And that's how deep how wide the gap is um, in terms of class between these two sides on the pitch. So how do you explain this loss? What happened to the big stars at Manchester United? Why were they not able to deliver a victory or at least avoid an embarrassing loss of this proportion? Okay, I'll, I'll start with the big story, and it's going to make the press for the next weeks. It's going to be everywhere. Cristiano Ronaldo, arguably the greatest player of this generation. Of course, you have a toss-up between him and Messi. But guess what? He did not even get off the bench. He sat and watched the entire 90 minutes on the bench. And there's going to be a lot of scrutiny about this in the coming days. Already right after the game, the coach was asked about it. And his answer was very diplomatic. He said, listen, this is one of the greatest players, and out of respect 
for what he's achieved in his career. I couldn't put him out on the pitch with us down 4-0. I had to, you know, respect his stature in the game, I, I, and that's why he didn't play. But if you're Ronaldo, you want to play. He lives to play. He wants to break all kinds of records, and he's sat on the bench. He's watching players like Anthony Martial come off the bench before him, and he's frustrated. And in the summer, he wanted to leave the club. And what was the rationale for not including Ronaldo on the roster? Why have the best player in the world on your team and sideline him during one of the most important games of the year? So here's my, my thinking is this. Um, uh, Ronaldo is 37 years old. In, in sport, that's old. In normal life, you're still a very young man. But in, in sport, your body is starting to give way. You can't keep up with the rigors of, of regular football training, whether it's basketball or whatever sport it is. At that age, you have edged. Now, Ronaldo is 37. His powers are obviously winning. He's not the same guy that he was 10, 20 years back. Now, that's probably the main reason. The way the coach wants to play, he feels he needs a team that's very athletic, that's very young, that can run, that can press the opponents. And he feels Ronaldo at 37 years old cannot give him that, especially in, in, in big games like at Manchester Derby, in big games like against Liverpool, against Chelsea, against Arsenal. Is this essentially sending a subliminal message to Ronaldo that, you know, perhaps it's about time to hang up the boots? Is retirement around the corner for him? It, but, but you see, that's a contradiction because he wanted to leave in the summer because he said, listen, this team is going to take a while to gel and become a force again. I don't have that time on my side anymore. I want to leave and play in the Champions League, which Man United are not going to give him this season. But the club insisted that we need you. You're going to play a big part. So he stayed. The thing is, he didn't have a good preseason because he came um, late and uh, he was given a few days off so it took a while for him to get his fitness up and at that point obviously he couldn't start games he was on the bench now the coach has felt after United lost their first two games at the beginning of the season they then stabilized and even got a big victory over Arsenal who are the top team in the league right now top of the table Man United defeated Arsenal with Ronaldo coming off the bench so it's worked for the coach over the last um, I would say four games they've won their last four games with Ronaldo on the bench and it's been ugly wins in some cases, lucky wins, but they've been getting the wins. So he's thought, I'm not going to change the team if it's doing well. But for Ronaldo, if you have a player as good as he is, you simply put him out on the pitch. It doesn't matter the kind of team that you're playing against. One chance, two chances, he'll take, he'll put them away. I totally agree. Plus, the psychological impact on the other team, you know, that is playing against Ronaldo, his presence on the field is enough to intimidate any opponent. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's very true. And if you look at the team that Manchester City put out in their defense, that wasn't their first choice defensive pairing. Ronaldo would have given them a torrid time just being on the pitch. And, and, and what you say is very valid. Just him being on the pitch completely causes fear in the other team. So and the way Ronaldo is built, him and Zlatan Ibrahimovic are probably two footballers with the biggest egos in the sport. His ego is going to be badly bruised. And he's going to be thinking, listen, I have the World Cup to play in, in a couple of weeks. I'm going to keep myself fit for that. I'm going to avoid any injuries. I'll rest my body, go to the World Cup. When I come back from the World Cup in January, January 1st, I'll ask the team I need to leave. So that's important. That's a huge, that will be a huge loss for United. That is sports commentator and reporter Jonah Biakutaga in Kampala, Uganda. Voice of America. You're listening to Sunny Side of Sports. On the Voice of America, I'm Jackson Vungani. And let's stay in England in a dramatic day of racing at the London Marathon on Sunday. Yalemzaf Yehalo of Ethiopia won the women's title to become the youngest winner in the event's 42-year history. 
Africa also dominated the men's race as Amos Kipruto of Kenya achieved the biggest marathon win of his career. The energetic Andy Edwards was on hand to watch the action. Sporty greetings to you, Andy. Sporty greetings, Jackson. What a day it was for outstanding performances in the 42nd edition of the London Marathon. Yalamsef Yualalor announced her arrival in the top flight of marathon running by breaking the then Ethiopian record on her debut at the distance in Hamburg in Germany in April. Her time was drastically improved by Tikis Safer in Berlin last Sunday. Though the 23-year-old Yuhalor has proved her credentials at shorter distances on the road, she looked completely at home in the marathon here, despite tripping and falling at 32 kilometres when in the lead group. She quickly recovered and saw off the challenge of last year's winner, Jocelyn Chepkoskai of Kenya, in the closing stages. The leading group of eight women went through halfway in 68 minutes 48, somewhat outside the kind of pace which would have put the world marathon record for a women-only race held by Kenya's Mary Kaitani in danger. That still stands at two hours, 17 minutes and one second. But there was no shortage of drama as Yahuwah Law recovered from her fall and increased the pace from 35 to 40 kilometres. It broke her rivals, leaving Chepkoskai and fellow Kenyan Judith Korea and Ethiopia's Alemu Magertu trailing. Yonsef Yualor won in 2 hours, 17 minutes and 26 seconds, only 3 seconds slower than her winning debut in Hamburg and the third fastest women's time ever in London. Jocelyn Chepkoskai finished just over 30 seconds behind and Alemo Magerto was third, a minute behind the winner, with Judith Correa finishing fourth, another 20 seconds down. Yehualor looks so at home in the marathon, racing against some of the best women in the world, that she could be a real Olympic contender in Paris in two years. In the men's race, Amos Kipruto showed that he also is a major force in the big races. The Kenyan won a World Championship bronze medal three years ago, but the London title was his most significant win as a first among the Abbott World Marathon Major Series. As with the women, a solid group went through halfway, the clock showing 62 minutes 14. Kenanisa Bekele was among them. Questions being asked now of whether, at the age of 40, he still had what it takes to win. Brave effort though it was to finish sixth, Bekele dropped off the lead group in the closing stages, later explaining he had missed vital weeks of training because of injury. Amos Kipruto, in the meantime, produced an enormously impressive attack at 25 miles. His surge timed at 4 minutes 21 for that particular mile, and that's on a par with racing on the track. Kipruto crossed the finish line in retake. Kipruto crossed the finish line near Buckingham Palace in 2 hours, 4 minutes and 39 seconds, over 30 seconds clear of his nearest rival, Leil Gebrselassie of Ethiopia, while Bashir Abdi of Belgium finished third. Kenisa Bekele came in sixth with 2.05.53, and, despite his disappointment, this was nonetheless a world best for men over 40. Yet again, the five-kilometre stretch between 35 and 40 kilometres in the marathon proved decisive for someone with supreme form and daring. And that man in London was Amos Kipruto of Kenya. For the sunny side of sports, this is Andy Edwards in London.
after the rest, Andy spoke with Amos Kipruto about his late surge to take victory. Do you prepare in training to attack late in the race as you did around mile 25? It was so impressive coming out of the tunnel. Yeah, I think uh, when you are in a preparation for the race, you have a lot of uh, a lot to do. I think uh, I trust my training. I trust what coach gives me. I trust my partners. We, we are training together. Yeah, that's all. Thank you, Amos. Thank you. Ethiopian runner Kenenisa Bekele made headlines last week when he declared that, of course, he's the best long-distance runner ever. But the Ethiopian was the fifth best on Sunday's London Marathon, finishing 74 seconds behind Kenya's Amos Kipruto. He clocked the fastest ever marathon run by a runner who is 40 years or older. In fact, he was with the lead pack until being dropped in the 21st mile. But Bekele estimated that he could have run 90 to 120 seconds faster had he not missed parts of six weeks of training with hip and joint injuries. Andy Edwards caught up with him. Kenanisa, do you still think you can win the big marathons after you finish sixth in London? I know you've had injury problems. Do you still think you can win the big ones? Of course, yes. If I prepare well and I know better, why not? We know that you, you lost quite a few years to injury um, earlier in your career. Does that loss motivate you to carry on? Mm, yeah. Uh, sometimes, you know, you cannot get back, you know, uh, time I lose, you know, because of injury. Uh, so I don't want to regret, you know, because I'm still uh, recover back and, you know, racing whatever the results but i'm still in the i'm in the race so maybe one day you know i can achieve over my goal preparation is short preparation but i couldn't expect this result but uh, maybe i expect better even if the preparation short i know my talent i i know my capacity but really i couldn't uh, achieve what I expect. Like how much time do you miss due to injury in your preparation? Ah, uh, uh, almost like six ma- six weeks. Yes, before three months. I was, uh, you know, in uh, re- rehabilitation and, you know, uh, just for uh, treatment, uh, went somewhere. And what was the injury? Uh, hip area in the joints. Yeah. That was marathon legend Kenanisa Bekele speaking to Andy Edwards at the London Marathon. This is Sunnyside of Sports on the Voice of America. Hello, sports fans. This is Paul Tergat, marathon champion from Kenya. You are listening to the Sunnyside of Sports on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Border crossings. Join host Larry London. Larry London. On Border Crossings, VOA's only worldwide music request hour. Oh. Every weekday at 1500 Universal. Tune in for the biggest hits and amazing artists. Win prizes and get the latest news from exclusive celebrity interviews. Send your requests to Facebook at VOA Larry London, Twitter at Border Crossings, or Instagram at Border Crossings VOA. Or call 202-619-2077 and have your favorite music played to the entire world. Ah. Don't miss Border Crossings every weekday at 1500 Universal, only on The Voice of America. 
is Sunnyside of Sports on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vungani. Remember, you can listen to this show online at voaafrica.com. You can also connect with us on social media platforms. We are on Facebook and Twitter at VOA Sunnyside. And before we end the show, let's check in with Prince Nesta for the sports roundup from Europe's biggest leagues. Sporty greetings, Nesta. Sporty greetings to you too, Jackson. Gabon hitman Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang scored his first goal to help Chelsea claim a late 2-1 win at Silhurst Park over Crystal Palace. The Blues extended their winning run against Palace to 11 matches and moved up to 5th in the Premier League, while Palace remained 4th from the bottom. Chelsea manager Graham Potter shared remarks on his team's victory. Ultimately, we're delighted with the results because it's a tough place to come here. Um, I thought we started quite well and then um, conceded from the first uh, first action into our box. So credit to the boys. I think they recovered really well and didn't let their heads go. It's You're only a, an action away from, from, from trouble here because they've got some really attacking players and good in 1v1 situations. So... Nice for us to um, get the equaliser and keep back in the in the game. And then I thought we pushed and pushed. You have to survive moments because, uh, like I said, they're a, they're a good side with, with dangerous players. But to come to, to, to be a goal down in the Premier League and to uh, to come away three points is fantastic. All credit to the players. That's Chelsea boss Graham Potter after his side and a win against Crystal Palace in the Premier League. Erling Haaland and Phil Foden both scored hat-tricks as City thrashed Manchester United 6-3 in a remarkable Manchester derby played at the Etihad Stadium. The Red Devils needed Anthony's strike and a late Antoine Martial double to save them from a record defeat in the Manchester derby as they remained sixth in the league. Norwegian hitman Erling Haaland expressed his thoughts on the match. Yeah, not bad. Uh, we scored six goals. Uh, yeah, what can you say? It's uh, it's amazing uh, to win home, score six goals here, and uh, yeah, it's nice. City manager Pep Guardiola also shared remarks on his team's victory. Now we won the game. Uh, we make our ourselves and our people happy. How privilege. This privilege you have, how to do our job and our passion and make our people happy. Better than that is impossible. We were productive for the goals for the time we have, and no. Still, we, we, we lost sloppy balls and simple things. Still, you have to improve. So, all the situations we they concede is because we are not good enough in, in the simple things. We have to improve on that. He is United's boss, Eric Ten Hag's reaction to his team's loss. For the fans, uh, I'm, I'm most disappointed uh, and uh, that we didn't deliver uh, as a team, the fans, a performance that we didn't deliver, the fans uh, in the end and a result. But when you don't give the performance out of uh, lack of belief, uh, that is disappointed, clear. Why we didn't follow principles and rules and, and uh, it looks also like um, undisciplined and you also, uh, uh, it feels like you can't change uh, this, but uh, you have to be proactive from the start and we didn't and we had the chances. When you see, for instance, the first goal back, uh, we win the ball on a good position on the field. We could counter them, we give easily the ball away. And then it's like a pack of cards, like the reaction after. That's Manchester United manager Eric Ten Hag's reaction to his team's defeat against City in the Premier League. French footballer of Cameroonian descent William Saliba was instrumental in Arsenal's 3-1 win against Tottenham Hotspur in the first North London derby of the season played at the Emirates. 
Ghanaian midfielder Thomas Partey opened the scoring in the 20th minute before England captain Harry Kane equalized from the penalty spot to score his 14th in a North London derby, seven of which have been penalties. Arsenal sealed the deal in the second half with goals from Gabriel Jesus and Granite Jacker sending them to the top of the Premier League table. The Gunners manager Mikael Ateta was proud of his team's victory. Really happy, obviously. Uh, great performance, um, a great day, um, incredible atmosphere to play in. So grateful to all the people that connects with the team in, in such a special way. And uh, I'm really happy because it's an opportunity to, to get a lot of people happy and proud. And uh, I think we have delivered that uh, to all of them. Tottenham boss Antonio Conte also gave remarks on his team's performance. It's difficult to accept, especially because in the first half we felt we felt the possibility to to win the game. Uh, the first half, I think we had uh, important chances and uh, to go to to score. I think we made uh, many mistakes in the last passes and uh, to go straight towards the goal and, uh, because every time uh, we overcame other pressure and then uh, we had a lot of space uh, in my opinion in our space in the first half uh, we had to explode much much better much better at this uh, this opportunity in the second half we considered a goal um, i think uh, we could do much better and then uh, after uh, i think a few minutes and uh, it was the red card, uh, and uh, at that point, I think the, the game uh, ended. Then Tottenham manager Antonio Conte reacting to his team's disappointing loss against Arsenal in the Premier League. A hat-trick from Belgian forward Leandro Tossard and Brighton and Hoval beyond a valuable point in an entertaining 3 0 draw against Liverpool at Anfield. Brazilian striker Roberto Firmino's double and an Adam Webster own goal was enough to secure a point for the Reds, who are currently ninth on the table. Here's Liverpool boss Jurgen Klopp's reaction to his team's performance. When you think about the uh, performance, then I think the point is what Brighton deserved, at least. Um, we need Ali quite a few times. They need a goalie as well from time to time, absolutely clear. But when you are 2 down, down... Um, in the situation, the two different situations the two teams are in, uh, Brighton obviously flying, um, full of confidence, and we are on, the, on our way to gain confidence and consistency. And we know consistency you only get uh, without selling defending, and obviously we didn't do that. The reason for that is um, that Brighton surprised us slightly. We had no idea what we are preparing for because we didn't know do they do, they do what they did before. So we couldn't say show any situations of Brighton in the last few games. <laughs> but that's um, obviously not an, not an excuse or whatever. It's just an explanation. It's, it happens very often in a football game that, uh, that uh, the other team uh, lines up differently to what you expect. That means you have to adapt. And before we adapted, we were returning down. And um, yeah, that's the... That's the story of the game, pretty much. Vince Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp speaking after his team's draw against Brighton at Anfield. Moving on to the French league, French footballer of Cameroonian descent Kylian Mbappe scored a late winner as Paris Saint-Germain beat Nice 2-1 to climb at the top of the French league table. Seven-time Ballon d'Or winner Lionel Messi had given the Parisians the lead before Gaetan Lebaud pounced from a close range with his first niece goal to give the visitors a surprise leveler. Mbappe later struck in the 83rd minute to seal the French champions' seventh win in a row in all competitions. PSG got up with eight wins and a draw from nine games, 
with Nasei, who cruised past Angie 3-0, taking the second spot. French striker of Tunisian descent Wissam Ben Yedder scored a treble to help fifth-place Monaco thrash Nantes four goals to one. Tenman Lorient extended its winning streak to five games to consolidate third place by beating Lille two goals to one, while Florian Satoka's late penalty and lends a one-nil home victory against Lyon. And finally, in the Spanish La Liga, Polish hitman Robert Lewandowski's long goal ensured Barcelona under one nil win over Mallorca to climb to the top of the table, while second place Real Madrid's perfect La Liga season came to an end with a one all draw against visitors of Sasuna. Reporting for the sunny side of sports and Prince Nesta. And that wraps up this October the 3rd edition of Off Sunny Side of Sports. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Jackson Bungani in Washington. Let's connect again tomorrow right here on The Voice of America. I get it. Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, dance this music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC.